But in reality, stuff creeps in, and uh, we get distracted. And you probably heard in my prayers just a few minutes ago me talking about being distracted, me talking about needing a Wednesday night service to get me refocused and renewed because really I need that. And it just so happens when I looked at Romans chapter 5, I said, this is what God needed to say to me. And, and I, I'd hope and pray that, that this speaks to you because I don't know about you, but sometimes life stinks and sometimes weeks stink and sometimes work is really stressful and um, sometimes just life in general is hard, you know? And I looked at Romans chapter 5, and I don't really look at the little subtitle things a whole bunch, but this one, at the beginning of Romans chapter 5, it says, faith brings joy. And I just needed that. I was like, joy. You know, sometimes I've forgotten what, what, what joy really is and what it really looks like in my life. Sometimes, I mean, I know that I get excited about the Word of God, and I know that I get excited about coming to church, but there are some times that the, the, drug, the dregs of life just weigh down on you, and it's like, I don't know what's going on, but I walk around like I've got something heavy on my shoulders. I walk around more slumped over, even though I have bad posture. It's even worse some days because it's just like life is just pressing down on me. There are some days when like, my eyes are more squinty because I am so tired because I am laying awake at night, stressed out about what's going on around me, and it feels like the joy has just been sucked out of my life. Now, I'm glad that none of you ever suffer from that. I'm glad that none of you ever have that trouble or that struggle in your life. I'm glad that you guys are always full of joy and you're always looking towards heaven and you're always excited about the next day, and I'm glad that you guys are like that, but sometimes for me... Sometimes I just feel like, man, it's like the, the, the joy has just been sucked out of me. Even when it's sunshiny and 72 degrees outside, it's like, I still feel like, why can I not be happy? And, and the weather is just awesome outside, you know? I'm not sweating to death because it's summertime. I should be happy right now. And there's sometimes I just, it feels like I'm just empty. And it's like, oh, it's, it's heavy, right? It's heavy. I know that you guys don't struggle with that, but I do sometimes. I really do. Family, work, church. I mean, all the time there's, there's something that, that, that I don't know if you know this, but, but there are times when churches don't go right. There are times when work just don't go right. There are times when stuff in your family just don't go right. Yes, it can even happen in church. The only way we could get that out of the church is if we removed all the people, including myself, right? It gets heavy, and I just read the subtitle in Romans chapter 5. It says, this is what we got to talk about. For me, and hopefully it'll speak to somebody else. Talked about how faith saves us. Now, we're going to talk about how faith brings joy. And we'll talk about why faith brings joy. What, what is Romans talking about? Paul's talking to the, the Roman church, and he's, he's talking to them all about salvation, right? He's talking, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to grow in your salvation? What, what, is, what is salvation? All of these things are answered in Romans, and we, we look at it, really, and we go, this is a beautiful picture of what it means to be in the kingdom of God, what it means to be one of God's children, what it means to be rescued from your sin. What does it mean to be saved? And that's what Romans is all about. And here we get to see one of the foundational principles in our Christian faith that some people don't believe and they're just wrong. 
They're just wrong. The foundational principle in the Christian faith is the fact that you don't lose your salvation. It doesn't go away. It's not like one day you're saved, you do something bad, and then all of a sudden you're not saved anymore. It doesn't work like that. That God keeps us, he sustains us, and he who began a good work in us will finish that. He'll, he'll see it to glory. He'll see it continue on until it works itself out in the end. It's not like you can fall from grace. There's no way for you to say, I was in grace yesterday, I trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, but something happened and, and I'm just not... I'm not in grace anymore. I've stepped out of the bounds of grace, and that's just not possible. Why does this bring us joy? <laughs> you know what? That's how messed up I am. I forget that sometimes. I get, you know, this old expression, you can't see the forest for the trees. It's because you're standing in the middle of the trees. They're like right here, so you can't see the big picture. You can't step back and look. At the bigger picture of what's going on in life. You're in the middle of all this junk and you think that the world's going to end. And, and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. you know. And you're just stressed out because you're looking at all the stuff right next to you. And you're not looking at the stuff that is eternal and the stuff that really counts. And we get so distracted by all the stuff that's right next to us, right? You know why? Because that's the stuff that's close to us. Now let me tell you something. That's why you need this place. That's, that's why you need to be reminded in God's word all the time that God is near. And I guarantee you, if you go to your high school, if you go to your junior high school, there's a lot of times you forget that God is near. Am I right? If you go to your workplace, you forget that God is near. You're around a lot of people that, that, that don't have anything to do with God. They don't really want to talk about God. If they talk about God, they talk about God in the terms of God. He's not Jesus. He's God, right? Not a lot of people, you don't hear the word Jesus uh, spoken about in your high schools, your workplaces. You don't hear people talking a lot about Jesus. Am I right? People will gather around the flagpole and pray to God, but very few people in the midst of that will talk about Jesus Christ. Because that name Jesus Christ is controversial and everybody's like, ah, we can talk about God, but don't go there with the whole Jesus thing. Don't be throwing that Jesus on us. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Jesus is where that joy comes from. It's where that hope comes from. And the people that are talking in general terms about God and they're talking about, uh, you know, the Muslim God or, or whoever, you know, they're, they're like, they're not connected with Jesus. They're not connected with their joy. They're not connected with where joy comes from. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that faith brings joy. Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 it says this. It says, therefore since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. This is what we've been talking about. It's what we talked about last week. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So here, we're, we're reconciled. Remember that big churchy word we talked about, which means that we're in alignment with God. We're at peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did. And, and our faith in that is what saves us. Now, this would have been very hard for a bunch of Jews, a bunch of Israelites that believe that you've got to do a bunch of stuff 
in order to be saved. You've got to do a whole bunch of little bitty things in order for you to be saved from your sins and be saved from hell. They, they would have been all about, well, we've got to wear a certain thing. We've got we to fast on this day, and we, got, we can't work on this day, and that's the only way we're going to be saved. And you're telling me that all I have to do to have peace with God is believe that Jesus Christ died for me. Paul's like, yes. You're at peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did. You know, people question a lot of times, you know, is it okay for us to baptize children, small children? And, and, and my answer to that is this, and, and I struggle with this sometimes too. If they can understand sin and they can understand that Jesus Christ saved them from their sin and they fully comprehend the gravity of that, which that's iffy, right? Do they fully comprehend the gravity of what it means to be saved? Then yeah, we can baptize them. We can we can say they're at peace with God because they believe that Jesus Christ has put them at peace with God. And that's what it takes. And somebody can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in 30 seconds through the gospel. It can happen. They can, they can put their faith and trust in God. It can happen. There can be a lifetime of people spent listening to the truth of God and the gospel being shared and them still never be at peace because they never put their true faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But it can also happen in 30 seconds through the gospel of Christ. I've been, we are right in God's sight. We're in alignment with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And where we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Whew. You need to... Write that down. I, I don't know if you need to like, I don't know. Maybe you need to get it plastered on your visor of your car or something. Like what, what do I need to do in order to have joy? What do I need to do when I feel down and out and like there's, there's no hope for today because today is just shot and it's, it didn't go well at work or school and I, I'm just done with today? We need to recognize this important fact. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a, place of undeserved privilege we didn't deserve it there was nothing we could do to earn it it's completely undeserved and God has brought us into that place where we now stand this is where we are you realize that the place that you are right now if you're a Christian a follower of Jesus you're in a place of undeserved privilege oh if if you're having a bad day you need to think and stop and think about the place that I'm in right now where I stand in this place is a place of undeserved privilege. Because God had grace and mercy on me, I now stand in a place of undeserved privilege. I'm now part of a kingdom. I am now part of a royal priesthood because God did this for me through Jesus Christ. What happens? I don't know about you, but sometimes I lose focus. I forget about that. I'm so worried about junk at work that I, I can't even see the fact that I'm in a place of undeserved privilege. I, I'm in a place I don't deserve to be, and it's all because of what Christ did for me. And because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm in a place of undeserved privilege, and I forget about it. This is because we're in a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. What is God's glory? 
It's to be glorified. It's to have a glorified body one day. It's to be in the presence of the Lord, to be in the presence of God's glory, where his glory shines from his throne and illuminates everything in a new heaven and a new earth, a place where he wipes away every tear from every eye. We forget that, don't we? We're so worried about the next 10 minutes or 10 months that we forget about the the next eternity, right? We forget about the undeserved place of privilege that we're in, and, and we forget about what is to come. And it says here that we can confidently and joyfully look to that place. I wish I could remember that all the time. You know, I wish that I could say, Kenny, you're being dumb right now. Wake up. Get out of this place that you're in and recognize that you're in an undeserved place and you, you get to experience God's glory one day eternally and be with Him. You're letting all the stuff around you pile up on you and reality is all that stuff's already gone and one day it will all be consumed with fire and it'll just be you and Him and God's glory. We can confidently... What does confidently mean? What is confidence? Confidence. Boldness, just being able to look and say, I, 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 hate, I hate to use country songs as an example, that this is my temporary home, you know what I mean? Like, like this, this is not where I'm going to reside long term, this, this is just a place that I am right now. Now granted, I, I came into the place because I'm in a place of undeserved privilege, but the reason I'm in a place of undeserved privilege is because one day there's an eternal home for me that... I'm not going to have to worry. I'm not going to have to be stressed out and burdened. I'm not going to have to feel guilty. I'm not going to have to feel all this weight crushing down on me. This is just a temporary situation. How, how many times do we forget that this life is only temporary? Man, we feel like it is going to drag on forever and ever and ever. There are some work days I feel like that, that are 64 hours long. I don't know how they... Fit 64 hours into eight, but not, like there's some days when it just feels like it's just forever. It's like watching the clock and the seconds tick off, and it's just like forever. And here Paul is saying, and think about the place where these people are in, where they're being killed and persecuted for their faith, and, and, and Paul's like, just look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that. They help us develop endurance. We've got to go on to the next verse, and we'll kind of come back and talk about that. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. What's going on here? Paul says it's even in the next level. So you look forward and confidently to a hope that is to come, to sharing in God's glory one day. He says, even so much so that you can enjoy the trials and the problems that are going on in your life right now. Because it produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And that character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Everybody's like, oh, that's good. I have no idea what that means. Right? Yeah. Well, here's what's going on there. I'm going to give you a scenario. All right, I can give you a perfect example, and I can do it through Jesus Christ. Okay, so on the outside looking in, it looks like Jesus going to the cross is a bad thing, right? It looks like it's it's an awful situation. 
This is Messiah, Son of God. And now a bunch of people that didn't like him for no reason at all, even though he was perfect and sinless, he's going to the cross. And before he gets there and suffers on the cross, he has got to be beat and, and, and bloodied and, and just like made fun of and mocked and spit on and all those things. So from the everyday perspective, it's like, this is bad. This is really bad and really awful. Right? I mean, you could see that from their perspective. The people that were there at that point in time, the disciples, the guys that were hanging with him and loved him to death and wanted to be a, around Jesus all the time and told him, you, if you go to the cross, we're going to the cross with you. If you have to die, we're going to die with you. Whatever it takes, we're going to be beside you. And they all run away once he gets captured, right? And this must have looked really bad. It must have looked like a terrible, tragic situation. But what do we see? Now that we got to be partakers in God's glory, now that we look at God's word and we can look back in time and see things the way they really are, what do we see? It's almost like, and, and this may be an exaggeration that you don't like, but that's okay. It's almost like as Jesus is hanging on the cross, bloodied and, and just emptied of himself, it's almost like you can see him giving us a wink, can't you? Like he's going, just wait. Just hang on. It looks bad, but I promise you it's really good. It looks awful. It looks terrible. But I promise you this is the best thing that could have happened to all of humanity. Do you realize that that's how you're supposed to look at the trials and difficulties in your life? The tough times that come in? Paul tells us in Corinthians that it's, it's storing up an eternal weight of glory. Your difficult times, your, your difficult trials in your life are actually doing something. And here it says it's building up our endurance. Our endurance for what? It's for everything else. See, it's not piling up against you. It's piling up for you. But only if you have the right perspective and you're looking at it through God's eyes and you're seeing what God is doing, the fact that he's given you these things, not as a burden, but as an encouragement so that you can be picked up and you can push forward. And when more stuff comes on you, you can handle that too. It's building up your endurance. Just like when you go out and you go running, which I don't like to do, but you go out and you go running. What happens when you run? It tears down the muscle, right? It, it literally, it, it breaks the muscle. It, it tears it down. Why? So that when it heals, it can be stronger and, and, and more able and have more endurance the next time you go running, right? See, if you look at it like that's a bad thing because the muscle's being torn down, you see it as a bad thing. But if you see what it's doing, you see that it's being built up and, and it's strengthening that muscle and it's, it's causing something good to happen. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I know it looks like it's bad, but it's actually doing something good in your life so that you can handle more stuff and you can do more things for the kingdom of God when tough times come at you. See, it's, I told you, it's, it's good to come to church on a Wednesday when you feel empty and alone and, and you feel like you're at the bottom rung of the worst ladder, right? You go, oh, I didn't know that. Trust me, I need it as much as you do. I struggle just like you do. And I forget this stuff just like you do. And I need this just as much as you do. 
Man, it's so good. It's so rich. I don't, I don't know how I miss this stuff sometimes. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. It's not going to lead to disappointment. You're not going to come up empty when you put your hope and faith in Christ. When you, let, when you have the right perspective, it's not going to end in disappointment. You know why? It's going to end up you sharing in God's glory. You being in His presence. You know, some things you put your hope and your trust in, they just disappoint. Ever had a friend like that? I trusted you. I put all my trust in you. And I believed in you. And what happened is you fell short. And you didn't come through for me. And you stabbed me in the back. And you're dumb. And I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And all that kind of stuff. You put your faith and trust in people. And sometimes that happens. A lot of times it happens. Most of the time that happens. But here Paul is saying, God's not going to disappoint. If you see it with the right perspective, if you put your hope and your faith and your trust in this, if you let the endurance build up for you, it will not disappoint. It says, for we know, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with this love. He's saying he's given us a promise. He's given us a promise. And that is when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And when you read this word, when you read what God says, and when you have it, have it preached to you, and, and, and God starts moving in your heart, you've got the Holy Spirit. He goes, remember I'm here. Remember I'm right here in the center of your chest. That the God of the universe, the King of kings, the King of glory, literally lives in the center of your chest. How unbelievable is that? You feel alone, and he's right here. He can't get any closer to you than that, right? He, he can't, if he was beside you, that'd be great. But the fact that Jesus comes to live inside you is amazing, right? He says he's given us something. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can be filled with his love, so we can know that his love is right here. We're going to kind of push through the last few verses because this is... Uh, it's kind of like one big picture, I guess you would say. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came to us at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us as sinners while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of, Jesus, of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. For now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Now, many of you have probably heard this verse before. While we were still sinners, Christ died. It's a verse that most people know, right? Most people have heard this verse before. Here's, what, here's what's kind of cool to me. So I was thinking about this. So we've been talking about the disciples in our small groups. We've been talking about who they are. And, and it, we got just like a broad overview of the first chapter of 12 Ordinary Men. And... and this is what it said. In the book, it literally said that God chose these guys that were ordinary 
and not extraordinary in any way so that his power could be revealed in these guys. Because if there were a bunch of guys that were well-spoken lawyers that, could, that had smooth tongues and could, could, could maneuver their way around a situation, people would look at them and go, well, God's not doing that. They're doing that. But God chose a bunch of fishermen that didn't really know a whole lot, that couldn't speak a bunch of languages. And he said, I'm going to use these guys to proclaim the truth like they've never heard it before. And they're going to be able to speak languages that they shouldn't even know. And I'm going to do all of this so people will look at that and say, that has to be God. That has to be God at work because those guys aren't that good. That's why God uses ordinary men. That's why Jesus picked these ordinary guys to go and proclaim the gospel and to have all these powers and abilities to do things so that God's glory could be revealed. So there's a parallel with that, okay? So you see the disciples. You see they were, they were, they were lowly guys that didn't have anything to offer. It's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. See, people tell me all the time, I've done too much, I've gone too far, I can't be saved, blah, blah, blah. I, I, there's, there's no way that God would love me and all the things that I've done. And I would say, there's a lot of people that said a very similar thing about the disciples. There's no way they could do this. There's no way that they'll go out and say some things that people will still be talking about 2,000 years later. The reality is, in your weakness, in your lowest point, that's when God does his best work. That's when, when God says, okay, I'm going to redeem you out of this place that you're in. The deeper, the darker the pit, the greater God is going to be glorified when he pulls you out of it. The, the more things you have done wrong, the greater God's glory is when you see that you are made right with God and at peace with God because Christ's blood that was shed on the cross paid the penalty for all of that. You didn't just have a few things wrong with you. You had everything wrong with you. You weren't just somebody that disliked God. You were a God-hater. You wasn't somebody that just didn't care about God. You despised the things of God. And when God pulls you out of there, you, people look at that and they say, that must be God. That must be an almighty God. Those people that have done that wretched, awful stuff, all they did was talk about the things that were nasty and filthy and awful. And now all they talk about are the things of God. That must be the power of God in their lives. They seemed dumb before, but now they seem smart. How did that happen? It must be God. He says, not when you're a good person. Not, not when you're a good person. That's not the person Christ died for. He says, at your lowest point. At the worst you've ever been. The worst sin you've ever committed. The most distant you've ever been for God, from God, that's when Christ died. He said, he took you out of that place, and now you're in a place of privilege, undeserved privilege. And everybody looks at that and goes, that must be God. So how about you? You, you, you feel like you've lost your joy, you've had it sucked out of you. You feel like even in the sunshine out there, you can't even be happy. Have you forgotten the place of undeserved privilege that you're in? Have you forgotten the glory that is to come and the fact that you get to share in the glory with the king of kings? You get to be partakers of his glory. You get to be in his presence for all of eternity. Have you forgotten that? I know I have. If that's you and you want to join me at this altar to pray and say, God, I have forgotten. Forgive me for having forgotten. Renew my mind. Renew my spirit. Just take me back to that place where I was. 
Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, your salvation, God. Restore me to that place. That's what I need, Lord, to just be reminded. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower and you don't know this joy because you're not in a place of undeserved privilege, you can know him. You can have a relationship with him. You know what you have to do? You have to have faith. You have to have faith that Jesus Christ died for you. And you have to ask. You have to say, Lord, please accept me in the place that I am and just be my Lord. And it's just that simple. It's just that simple. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this reminder today. Sometimes I forget so easily. Lord, we forget the truth of your word and we forget, more importantly, how much you love us. I thank you for the fact that you've installed the Holy Spirit into my heart to remind me of just how much you love us. God, uh, God, forgive me for letting other things stand in the way. God, I I know that there have been times, Lord, where uh, all I did was complain to you. All I did was tell you how many things are going wrong in my life and how much I need you to fix them. And God, I've forgotten about the fact that I'm in a place of undeserved privilege already. That's where I now stand. So God, forgive me for that. God, renew my spirit, renew my heart. God, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that they would come. They would come to know you tonight. God, that they would uh, just give everything to you and ask you to be their Lord. God, that they would confess their faith in you as, as Savior. God, they'd ask you to be Lord in their life. If there's somebody here, Lord, that uh, they've just lost their joy and lost, lost their happiness, God, I just pray that they would recognize Lord, that true joy comes from faith in Christ who saved us. So, Lord, restore us now. Draw us to you now. God, remind us of how much you love us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody please stand.